Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Uh, Bud, a much-awaited first game preview. We kind of uh, we kind of consider this podcast number one when it comes to uh, the season. Obviously, it's it's by no means that on the uh, the calendar, but it is uh, a serious mark in time, and we're just excited to. Uh, really get into the details of a game here so uh, we're going to try to give you 35 40 minutes of uh, as much detail as much of an idea as to what you might see play out whether uh, in front of you if you're attending the game or on your television screen if you can't make it on uh, Monday night but uh, very much look forward to getting into this this is a a rare podcast that we're able to share the same room and uh, do an in-person pod so always uh, a lot of fun and a lot to uh, look forward to and we'll just uh, see where this podcast takes us absolutely man let's so so the start of the willie taggart era how cool is that man like this is i'm really excited to see this thing obviously you know when, when you have a a new scheme and a new team there's going to be bumps in the road there's going to be some some stuff that you're like oh man and we're going to all remember at some points in this game i guarantee you that this is year one but I think we're also going to see some really exciting stuff. Uh, th- this is a, a chance to make a, a statement uh, for recruiting. I, I don't think that this game really has any bearing on the rest of your season. Each game is, is a new, especially when you have a team that is learning about itself and growing together. Uh, but I do think this could help with recruiting. It could help with, with sort of national relevance or at least national attention, if, if that's something you care about. It could also help with bragging rights, which, look, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably want those. Uh, they're blacking out Doak, or at least with the uniforms. The players' highest team GPA in uh, what since 2000, I think mm-hmm. it was, and uh, they you know good summer attendance with the workouts and and just overall good behavior, respect for people in the building. And so, with all that, Willie gave them the choice of what uniforms they wanted to wear to represent themselves, and, and they chose the alternates. And uh, you know, to you and I, it may not look like the the best looking thing, but I don't think it's that bad. A and B. I can tell you, all the recruits seem to love it, and they, they all they all take the photos in it. So, um, going to be really cool. Peter Warwick's jersey being retired, Bobby Bowden coming back. Uh, they they're doing this thing right. Every step leading up to this game seems to have been done right, and um, I'm excited to watch this thing. We you know, we, we get into breakdowns probably a lot more than any other FSU show out there. And uh, look, I think this is a hard thing to do to do game breakdowns on on podcast style uh it's better with visuals usually but y'all seem to like it and we try to do the best we can at it so you know uh hopefully you'll be able to follow this our usual format here uh is that we will start with uh with the breakdown of the personnel on one side of the ball and then sort of the keys slash what we're looking for from that side of the ball and then we'll switch to the other side of the ball with the personnel and the keys there as well and then we'll probably end with a couple little more things we're looking for and a prediction and, and, and get you out of here on that. But uh, Labor Day night, man. ESPN. Labor Day night. Have the have the country uh, turn their eyes to you. Certainly a program that uh, seems to have obviously captured the imagination of the fan base, uh, the, the kind of domestic fan base or the home fan base but also uh more and more seemingly starting to capture the uh the national eye as well so uh florida state has a a fantastic opportunity to kind of get out on a uh a great first leg of the willie taggart air and uh just uh, we talked all about excitement and we talked about uh kind of some of the 
the less than tangible aspects that surround the program. And uh, tonight, we're real fortunate to be able to jump into you know some of the more detailed matchups as to ultimately might determine the game. Uh, before we do that, always want to thank our friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce. Uh, been with us since. Uh, since 2016 and and a great partner to be able to pair with three simple ingredients one fantastic product uh something that bud and i authentically enjoy and use and are very fortunate to be able to work with so uh, thank you as always to our friends in new iberia louisiana and with that bud uh let's jump into uh two teams that are uh, very different in ways and kind of had different summers but uh, there may be some aspects to each team's individual game plan that uh, may have a little bit of repetition when, when when we look at it from more of a macro level. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I guess we'll start with with Florida State's offense against Virginia Tech's defense. I, I got to tell you, looking at this, you're right. They did have different off seasons. Virginia Tech lost a ton on defense. Uh, they lost a decent amount to graduation. Uh, they lost a little bit more to the NFL draft. And then they had uh, three more losses in, in the offseason. They had a kid come in from JUCO, and uh, I guess in one of the very first workouts, Engram, uh, he had a, uh, a leg injury. That was, of course, not something that was preexisting and, and occurred, you know, at anyway. He didn't want to get on that D1 insurance plan, certainly not. So. Yeah, no, and, and I, I actually have no idea about that, uh, but I will tell you that is very common for no, no. kids to come in and don't, immediately Don't get blame them any way, shape, or form if that is the case. Uh, good for them. Yeah. Uh, then they lost a kid to the supplemental draft, and then they had a kid, uh, I think, fail out. That That's a whole lot of losses. And look, Virginia Tech recruits defensively very well. They evaluate well. They sign uh, a lot more players on defense that other schools want other big-time schools than they do on offense, certainly. But they they still lost a lot. And most of the losses came in the back seven. They, they, they lose the Edmonds twins, you know, one who was a lot better than the other, but both still uh, you know, went as, as high draft picks. Uh, they Their back seven is going to be an issue. But I think that the strength of this defense, though, starts up front, man. They, they really have some nice players up front. They do, uh, one of which we're not positive if he'll be available, but we'll get to that in just a second. One guy that we we are pretty positive is going to be uh, in play and a, and a guy that maybe not the general fan base is familiar with, but uh, we'll start our conversation with a uh, defensive tackle. Uh, Ricky Walker is a player that Virginia Tech has and, and honestly uh, may be the most special player that they have on their roster right now, regardless of what side of the ball we look at. I, I, I talked to a lot of Virginia Tech media. I mean – I had one guy tell me he was probably the best D-tackle they've had in 25 years. Mm. He is going to be priority number one for Florida State because if he doesn't get blocked, he will wreck shop. There's no doubt about it. Uh, They're going to need to double-team him a lot. He has good size. He has excellent quickness, uses his hands well, plays low. I, I mean, look, the guy is a beast, and... I know Tim Settle got all the attention last year and, and is now in the NFL, uh, but but I think Walker was actually a better player. And they, they played different positions, certainly, but they played next to each other. Uh, that's going to be a guy I think Florida State, though, will be able to double-team, uh, simply because it, we talked about the lack of, of experience in the back seven, and Vatek has some experience on the front four, but they don't have a lot of quality depth at defensive tackle in particular, right? The drop-off from what we hear with Walker to the next guy is pretty severe. And I think Florida State's interior guys 
are, are not amazing, but I think they're probably the strength of the line. I'm sure you'd agree on that. I think if you're Florida State, you do, you do double-team Walker. And you say, hey, we're not going to let this guy beat us if we can. Now, if he beats our double teams, I mean, hell, you can't triple team him. So, all right. But double team him as much as you can. Run a lot of, a lot of that inside zone scheme together and, and, and see what you can do there. Uh, on the outside, I, I think they're in a little bit better shape with, with, with their ends. But on the inside, man, I, I don't know what they got going on there. Uh other than Walker. It doesn't seem like they're real excited. That The Mahota kid, I know you, you saw earlier this week, is probably only going to play, what, 10 to 15 snaps, they said? Yeah. Very limited. Very limited. And, look, tempo is a, a pain you know, pain in the rear for any team to deal with, and it's something that, uh, regardless of defensive philosophy or style, can, can give you troubles. But uh, there are a couple teams on the roster that uh, Florida State's tempo may be – Maybe more damaging or, or more damning to others, and, and Virginia Tech very much appears to be one of those teams. Uh, tempo is going to be uh, something that is a probably a, an overarching theme that we look at throughout the entirety of the year, but uh, tempo could very well be a major issue in game one, and it, and it may be one of the largest strengths that you have to deploy against this defense. Right. Who gets worn down the most with tempo? It's not the DBs. Those guys can run all day. They're like soccer players. They don't really come out of the game. You know who does get worn down with tempo? Your interior defensive linemen, because those guys are the first ones to be huffing and puffing. Yeah. And if Florida State can sustain drives, like you said, you can wear those guys down on the interior. And especially if you're doubling Walker, that's, that could be a long night for him. And if they can get to him, then they could really get to that kind of soft underbelly of the Virginia Tech defense. Uh, on the outside, I think they've got some nice pass rushers. I, I really do. But it turns out one of their best ends, we don't know if he's going to play. Yeah. Vatek has not said anything about this. Seems to be the theme of the summer for Virginia Tech right now. Um, somebody that, honestly, we've heard whispers about for two or three months uh, now wasn't available during media days. Honestly, I would say uh, I would say more signs than not point to this kid possibly not playing, but uh it will be it will be very interesting if if Virginia Tech does in fact uh, suffer yet another piece of attrition before before the first snap in game one. So uh, something to watch for and, and something that could ultimately Im- impact their defense pretty significantly. Absolutely. Now, one thing to be to be to be real cautious here of not cautious, but just be alert of. Certainly, you're not playing the game. You don't got to be cautious. Uh, just you know something to look out for. Vatek likes to take their defensive linemen and stem right before the snap, kind of like, like a real quick, abrupt shift. Mm-hmm. And they do that not really to get an advantage. It can give you a little bit of advantage of confusing some blocking angles and changing assignments. But the real deal is they want to try to get the, the offense to jump off sides. And they do that pretty well. This is something that I think Florida State uh, has simulated a little bit in camp. I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't get to watch camp, but I'm guessing that they have. Uh, it would be smart, too, and certainly if you have the tape of it, how much you know, will Vatek get a one you know false start call? Maybe that that's I think that's got to be one of the goals though is don't don't have this become a thing where they're getting two and three of them right. If they get you once, okay, cool, done with it, move on. Don't do it multiple times. Uh, I guess then we get to talk a little bit about their uh, about about the back seven here. Yeah, uh, linebackers are are a strength for them. Uh, seemingly always a, a group that fields pretty uh, pretty capable linebackers. Uh, they're fortunate to play in a state in a region that uh, 
produces a, a pretty consistent flow of talent that uh, Virginia Tech, you know, more times than not, uh, gets to gets to pick a decent amount of the uh, of the bunch. But uh, Virginia Tech's very very talented, but uh, young and to an extent inexperienced, and uh, will be pretty interesting to see how disciplined they are and, and whether or not they really. Um, you know, kind of keep to gap control and, and what exactly is asked of them. Absolutely. So I, I think that you're you're 100% right there. They are pretty athletic. They're they're talented. But, man, I do believe that this linebacking core, I know they're coached by Bud Foster and he does a great job, but I got to think that they're going to give FSU a chance. If FSU can get it blocked up on the first level, I think those second-level defenders are going to give Florida State a chance to break big-time runs because you know they're going to be – over aggressive at times you know they're going to be trying to shoot gaps which is look i think is what i would do against this offense for sure Mm -hmm. but if they miss or if they get out of their gaps a little bit florida state's got some guys in the backfield i think there's one backfield i would take over fsu's and that's in tuscaloosa nobody in this in this league what would i take fsu has the guys to go 60 or 70 if, if if they're if the gaps are there and i think there's it's very possible that they could be there um I also want to see what these guys do in space. Exactly what I was going to say. Virginia Tech's linebackers are young and talented. We're not blowing smoke by saying that, but young and talented does not necessarily mean that you can tackle Cam Akers. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can bring down uh, LeBourne in the open field. I, I am uh, very curious as to whether or not they can bring the bring the ball carrier to the ground and, and whether or not uh, they can make what – what appears, at least from originally looking at their defense, uh, some pretty critical tackles. You, you may have the opportunity to get in space. You may have the opportunity to isolate some of these younger linebackers and, and whether or not they're ultimately able to drag three to the ground or any other ball carrier is, is not something that I'm uh, absolutely certain of by any means. So that's going to be something to watch for sure. Uh, and then also in space and pass coverage, with these, with these big receiver splits, these guys don't have a lot of help around them. How do they work in space if they're called upon to cover D.J. Matthews? How do they work in space if they're called upon to cover Nyquan, who's pretty crafty? We don't know. We're going to find out. That'll certainly be something I think Florida State wants to isolate on them. Um, and then at defensive back, look, I think that they are very encouraged by the athleticism of, uh, of Diablo, one of their safeties. The other, the other safety rover type, uh, Floyd, is – is more of a more of a liability, but but he's going to play more towards the boundary. They're going to try and protect him mm-hmm. with space towards the boundary, and yet I think Florida State's going to have a chance to get him, uh, you know, probably singled up once or twice in this game. And when they do, they got to make that count. Um, this is something where, where maybe at tempo it allows you to to get a better matchup there, so that the defense does not have time to adjust. On the outside, I, I really don't think that they have necessarily great size, uh, and and they're not real experienced. This is definitely an area. I think that Virginia Tech knows it has a weakness at corner. And yet, I still think they're going to make Florida State test them early because if, if they can get away with playing that single coverage like they want to play against FSU's outside receivers, which I think, to be fair here, are more of a question than its inside receivers are, if Virginia Tech can get away with playing that way on FSU's outside receivers, then it can probably shut down the run game. If FSU can make them pay with some good outside throws, especially early on, well, then that's really, really potentially some trouble for uh, for the Hokies. Yeah, a little bit of a, a you know departure from from just what you historically associate with the program when you 
kind of close your eyes and you think about Virginia Tech's defense, you see guys like D'Angelo Hall, you see guys like the Whitaker kid from the late 90s, you see uh, a ton of uh, a ton of consistent high talent individuals in the secondary and uh, the Diablo kid that you mentioned has has an absolute ton of ability but for the most part I don't know that there's a, a whole lot of special pieces in the secondary and uh, it'll just be be very interesting to see how they perform and what type of situations they're put in but this is a uh, this is a little bit of a liability for them and that's certainly not something you you normally associate with Virginia Tech's defense. All right, guys, uh, you should be listening to this on a Friday or maybe a Saturday, but want to uh, remind all of you that uh, Bud and I will be doing a uh, another event on uh, Sunday uh, prior to the uh, uh, prior to the game, obviously on uh, on Labor Day. But from I'd say kind of from two to seven ish, uh, we will be at Township uh, for part of the uh, for the table slash uh, proof slash nullcast. Uh, pub crawl so if you haven't already bought your tickets please do so Uh, i'd love to get a chance to meet you guys it's been a fantastic uh opportunity to interact with more listeners the longer that we do this podcast and one of the highlights was the event that we did for the uh the spring game so fantastic opportunity i think at this point it is a drink only tickets we're trying to get some uh secondary koozies down there for you guys but don't know that we'll necessarily be able to guarantee those in time so i think if you go to the website now you'll be looking at a uh slightly less than uh, otherwise advertised ticket but uh, we won't necessarily be able to provide a koozie that's right matt social central township great spots for you guys this weekend saturday sunday and monday definitely want to come out uh and heck if you got a nolcast t-shirt from the first uh, spring game meetup go ahead and wear that too Show your Nolcast love. We would be happy to see you there. And Ingram, how do you get there? Easy, man. You just go to gamedaybarcrawl.com. That's gamedaybarcrawl.com to get your ticket. All right, now let's talk a little bit here about the scheme and the keys for FSU's uh, offense to have success against Virginia Tech's defense. I think one of the first ones is that Francois is going to need to hold up in the run game. Virginia Tech plays a very aggressive style of defense, but yet I think they are going to force Francois to keep the football on the read plays when when they get back there and we'll see uh, um, you know we'll, we'll see how it works with, with with their read option game I think it'll be much improved or over what what the you know the previous teams were able to do in the read option but still I believe they're going to dictate that Francois keep the ball if I'm Bud Foster who do you rather, would you rather have carrying the ball Cam Akers or or Francois mm-hmm. now certainly some plays are not reads but on the plays that are reads I think they're going to make Francois keep the ball. And I think that they're going to see if he'll take hits, both downfield and then also, uh, you know, once they, they get Francois into the pattern of thinking, it's going to be a keep for me, it's going to be a keep for me, it's going to be a keep for me, then all of a sudden they send a guy right at him to try and get a big-time hit when, when he really should give the ball to Akers. That's something that Bud Foster is very good at doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's done that multiple times. Look, we're going to have to see if Francois can hold up. If he can, that's trouble for Vatek. Because then you, you can run your plays that don't really involve much of a read, and you can run your read plays, and, and it starts to screw with him a little bit. I also think that you know if, you, if he can do that, you may limit some of the stuff they can play as far as scheme-wise, and, and that could be a really good thing. I also think Ingram, that one thing is going to be really key here is that Florida State's offensive line has got to do a good job when Vatek tries to shoot gaps. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh well. First of all, let me circle back to Francois. DeAndre is a, a tough kid and proved that, and I'm not doubting his toughness. At the same time, it is uh, 
in all likelihood, it's been a full calendar year since he's really gotten hit by anybody, and and whether or not uh, that's something that he's you know kind of seamlessly uh, has the ability to jump back into and not have him phase his game, uh, Virginia Tech's only only right to to try that and see how he responds and see how he responds to being thrown back into into big time football. Uh, at the opening of the podcast, when I referenced that there's some. Uh, maybe some similarities in, in game plan and what ultimately these two teams try to do to each other, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, this is kind of where I was alluding. I absolutely expect Virginia Tech to, to try to try to shoot gaps, try to, uh, to maybe limit some of the liabilities that they have out of their own personnel by straight up injecting them into Florida State's offense, or at least trying to. Uh, so I expect them to, uh, to be pretty aggressive to maybe try to mask some deficiencies that they have in that aggressiveness. And uh, it will be very interesting to see if Florida State's offense and, and offensive line in particular uh, can adjust to that and, and uh, act, act in a manner accordingly to, to give the offense a chance of success. So I, I think the, the couple things here that Florida State's been working on, and this is not like secret stuff, this is stuff that we saw them working on in the open practices, right? Securing the first level blocks I think is going to be really key here. At times, I thought, and I think we both thought this, at times in the past when Florida State's offensive line was really good, it was very good at a quick double and then climbing to the second level to get the backer. However, when it was not good, oftentimes I felt like they left their initial double team too early to try and climb and secure that backer. And look, you do want to get them both blocked, but the most important person to get blocked is the first level guy. And in this game, especially if his name happens to be Ricky Walker, it's going to be real important that you get that double team first. And this is something that I know Greg Fry was emphasizing in the practices at IMG. Get that first double, right? You want to have that guy secured. That can help if these guys are trying to sh- trying to shoot gaps. You-, you want to be kind of a stonewall up front for that first level if you can. And then we'll deal with, with-, with some backers if-, if the backers are unblocked. We'll, we'll figure a way around that I, I think is their thought which helps keep things basic uh, as well so that, that's how I think Florida State will try uh, to to manage that but I guess we'll see we'll see how well that goes right best laid plans I also think that if you're FSU you want to get Virginia Tech out of its man, man-to-man coverage mm-hmm. they want to play a lot of man coverage I think you would rather see uh, some zone at times here because it allows you to work your RPO game and, and look it, it's a lot easier to throw some of the RPO stuff against a zone than it is against man but you can also run some some rpos against man some of the backfield rpos actually can can work a little bit better you know you could send cam Akers in motion if the backer follows him okay take the ball and and, and francois run with it if not you flip it out to Akers, who's already in motion uh running with the football but you're going to need to run plays to get him out of man and that, what i mean is you know man beaters i don't really have time to or the ability to explain that on the podcast but you know Crossing routes, stick routes, stuff stuff that allows you to particular philosophies in football that pair themselves better with man coverage or zone and vice versa, and you've got to try to find some of the things that are more challenging when a defense is is put in man coverage. Absolutely. So show the ability to beat man early, and I think you, you're going to give Virginia Tech uh, some trouble. I also think that the receiver splits. A, I think it helps you reduce the chance of interceptions in this game. And B, I think it allows you to isolate certain Virginia Tech defenders in space. We talked about getting Floyd, the, the the boundary safety, in space. I also want to see some of these linebackers in space, right? We haven't really seen them play. Who knows how they're going to do against a Matthews or, or a Nyquan Murray. Um, and also, I, I think some of the stuff that Taggart did at USF, right? I've been going back to more of his USF stuff because Francois is a mobile player. And 
I don't think he's the level of passer that, that Justin Herbert was at Oregon. Mm-hmm. I think there's some stuff that can really screw up between Tech here. You know, put the quads to one side, run QB counter to, you know, away from it, and see what kind of leverage they're, they're going to end up playing with. You can formation in, to, in order to isolate defenders away from help in a way that I think will, will be good, and you can do that at tempo. Yeah. I also think tempo can help you limit the number of exotic blitzes Vatek can bring. We know they want to rep you know, exotic protections and whatnot and, and picking up the exotics, but uh, one of the better ways to do that is just not allow them to get the call in. Right? If you're rolling, Vatek is going to be in trouble because they have to stay more in their base stuff. Uh, and then finally, I, I think... I think you're really going to need to, to stay committed to the run game, which I believe they'll do because that's all Willie Taggart's history has been. And I think you can use a lot of formations with multiple backs. I want to take advantage of those linebackers if I'm FSU. I want to take advantage of those safeties if I can. And I also want to see those corners and run support, right? We haven't really seen those corners have to do much in terms of run support, but that's that's an angle we don't talk about a lot. That's going to be important as well. So uh, that's kind of what I'm looking to see on the offense. I think this is going to be fascinating, bud, because you're not, you know, not only are you opening up with a very uh, capable opponent, you're also opening up with an opponent that, you know, maybe maybe some of the more newer aspects of the offense give you the the best chance to uh, exploit them. This is not like a Northwestern State or something like that, obviously, but it's it's not just not a gimme. It's also an opponent that some of the newer facets of the offense, some of the the things that we've talked about all summer, very much leverage your ability to be successful. So it's, you're very much jumping straight at the deep end here, not not just with the talent that you're playing, but also uh, with some of the strengths of the offense, if uh, executed correctly, can, uh, can very much be your best friend. So fascinating to see how much of summer – uh, translates into uh, into Monday evening and and how fast this offense really has the ability to kind of hit the ground running and uh, leverage some of the things that have the ability to make it as uh, successful as it can be. If Vatek's going to play a high risk, high reward level of defense, I think Florida State will say bring it on. Mm-hmm. Right? They know there will be some tackles for loss. There will be some drives that go like that. There will also be some drives that go like zzz, like down the field. I believe because. That's what Vatek does. They are going to get tackles for loss. They always get tackles for loss. They, that's, how, that's how they want to stop drives and get them off schedule. Much like, by the way, like Florida State's defense is going to play. Uh, and you know what? The, the flip side to that, if you're playing a team with, with the skill talent of Florida State, better not make a mistake. Because if you make a mistake, it might, it might go 80. Yep. And, you might, and you might have a couple of them. Always want to take time to thank our friends at uh, Resolution Home Loans. Chad and Shannon have been a great addition to our team, and we would uh, highly encourage you guys to uh, at least, at the very least, give them consideration if you're in the market for a mortgage. Uh, they also uh, offer some other products that will do a, a more thorough job in describing in time. But uh, we've had eight listeners so far, had a fantastic experience with them. Uh, two diehard Seminole fans that uh, are eager to work with you and eager to kind of uh, bring you through a time that that may otherwise be uncomfortable or, or somewhat unsettling. It's It's obviously a very large purchase. We're uh, fortunate to be able to work with Chad and Shannon, uh, two guys that uh, love the program and, and love the opportunity to work with you. So uh, please do give them consideration, and uh, thank you again to our friends at Resolution Home Loans, and we look forward to working with them again for another season, bud. Absolutely. We, we definitely want you to go work with Resolution Home Loans. Go to nolcast.com slash loan. That's nolcast.com slash loan. They'll walk you through the process. 
great people to work with, and uh, I know a lot of our listeners already have. So uh, definitely go check them out. Uh, with that, uh, what do you think? We flip the uh, flip the field here and go talk about uh, about the other side of the ball. Yeah, let's go ahead and switch it on over to what uh, Florida State's defense might see on uh, Friday evening. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about a uh, Virginia Tech unit that uh, should be should be better on a whole. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know that there's too many special pieces here. There is no. Uh, there is no Williams type player defensive tackle as far as transitioning the offense. There's a there's a lot of uh, capable units, but I'm not sure that there's anybody that absolutely scares you if you're Florida State's defense when it when it comes time to prepare. And I, I don't know that there's anybody that you'll necessarily have a uh, an individual game plan for. I, I think you're exactly right on that. And to me, Vatek is going to be better on offense because I think the O line will be better. I think their receivers will be much improved, yet I don't know they have a, a total stud standout. Uh, but quarterback's going to be very interesting. I think Josh Jackson will take a step. Can he take a big step or just sort of a step? He was pretty good through a lot of last year, and then towards the end he was really kind of shaky. Now, did teams figure out something on him? Probably. Is that something he'll fix? I, I, I think probably as well. Um He's not – the thing is, he's just – is he special in any one area, right? Like the arm's good, not amazing. His accuracy is not special. He's a decent runner, but not enough to where it's like he's he's not he's not going to take, take the ball and go 80 like Lamar Jackson, right? If you see him get away with a couple runs, you know, that some of that might be by design by Florida State. I don't know that he actually threatens the defense with the run game quite as much as uh, – uh, as maybe he would, you know, you, as as you might think he would. They will run him. That is certainly a part of their offense. They're, they're going to operate much like Florida State Fr- from the shotgun at tempo. This is going to be an up up and down the field game at tempo, assuming the offense are able to move the ball. But I don't know that Virginia Tech can beat Florida State unless Jackson takes a, a legitimate step, not mm-hmm. just a, a, a progression step. Yeah, It's interesting. It's an offense that uh, has, a, has a good quarterback, maybe not great, but it's an offense that uh, very much frequently tries to leverage the middle of the field. And, and again, this parts of this may be better in an article. It's hard to do uh, fantastically well in a podcast. But it's not, not uncommon to see uh, – to see Virginia Tech try to uh, you know try try to manipulate the middle of the field defenders by uh, you'll see an, an underneath route and then all of a sudden a, a post or a skinny post coming uh, directly behind it and, and really trying to make uh, make the defenders in the middle of the field make a decision and, and ultimately trying to see if they can't uh, leverage somebody into making the wrong decision and, and have somebody running free through the middle of the field. One hundred percent. You know, get, getting those guys, getting those guys to clear, and, and then being able to throw something behind them is is really key. He's also a he's pretty good at the RPO game. I, I will say, uh, if you're able to take that away, though, um, then then I don't think he's nearly as good uh, against against other teams uh, who are able to do that better and, and be more multiple against him. Um, at running back, I think they're fine, but but I don't think they're necessarily special. Like I, I don't. You talk to guys who cover other teams, right? And I know several guys on the Vatek beat, which is why I feel like I'm pretty clued into this game. And they say, you know, they're 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 decent there, but they'll tell you if they got a standout at a position, and they don't really say a whole lot about Tech's running backs. So 
I don't think that there's a guy there that you're you're real worried about. There's no, there's no Travis at the end mm-hmm. like there is at a Clemson. Up front, I think they're young, but but talented on the one side, and then on on, on the other side, I think they're going to be more veteran, and I, I think this will be an improved group for them as well. Uh, but still, Brian Burns is going to be an issue yeah. for them, I, and just as he has been throughout practice. Now, look, that might be an issue they solve. And in talking to the VT people, they think their H-backs block really well. But, look, I think they'll use them to chip Brian Burns. I think they'll stay in, you know, in a lot of, lot of heavier personnel. I would, I think, against this FSU defense, especially because the linebackers are, are, are a concern. But, you know, honestly, if that happens, Wally Aime, Marvin Wilson, Demarcus Christmas, Janarius Robinson, if he plays Josh Kando. Need you to win some one-on-one battles there on the other side. If, if, if they're having to get their left tackle help on Burns, that right tackle needs to be losing some battles in order for Florida State to win this game. And I think those are battles that, that Florida State can win. Yep. Uh, the guys you just listed, if you're a Florida State fan, there could be no better inclination of, of what you might see throughout the rest of the night than to see Waleame beat a guy in one-on-one, to see Demarcus Christmas uh, beat a guy that's that has a but a man matched up on him. Uh, you're just going to want to make them think and and make it not be an automatic that the second guy uh, available is always going to be devoted to Burns and and not just let them predictably put two or chip you know chip one and a half on Burns and and otherwise be able to operate their offense uh, matching up. Uh, you know, but but one defender uh, and one offensive player. So uh, fascinating to see how that plays out. I think Florida State has a, a certainly a very talented defensive line uh, outside of Burns, and uh, if they're able to uh, to make an impact early, then it may very much impact uh, what ultimately Virginia Tech tries to do and and how they try to uh, to block it up. Let's say let's let's say Virginia Tech plays. I don't know. 75 snaps total. That, that, that's 75 snaps, you know, for, for both DT and, and DE to play. If, if I told you that Marvin Wilson and Josh Kando combine for 50 snaps, you taking that? Uh, all day, yeah. I would take 35 at this point from those two. Yeah. I, uh, I really would. I think I would, too. Now, I, I think Marvin is healthier than Josh is. But at the same time, I don't know that either of them are actually in game shape. It's a different kind of conditioning when you're getting hit. It just is. It's hard to describe unless you unless you play the game at some level. You don't have to play you know college or, or pro or anything to, to get it. But being hit is a different level of game shape. And certainly Kendo has not been hit much in practice at all. Marvin has gone a little bit more in, in, in some of the team stuff, I believe. Uh, but I, I think that Marvin will play more than Josh, if I had to guess. Unless they're just protecting Josh and, and saying, hey, we're just you know we're going to unleash you in the game. Um, but man, if you can get fifty snaps out of those guys, I think you got to feel really good because Fred Jones is not a bad player next to Chris. I mean, he's not a difference maker, but he's he's a decent starter for you. Uh, I, I think you're feeling really good if you get fifty snaps out of them. Uh, assuming they they can block it up, uh, we'll move to what maybe Virginia Tech will try to do with the passing game. Uh, Virginia Tech's wide receivers are are you know kind of big individuals, a lot of unproven commodities out there, but. Uh, uh, talented guys that it, it wouldn't shock either of us to see uh, to see maybe elements of the Jeff Bowden offense make an appearance. Uh, by that, I mean don't be shocked to see some jump balls. Don't be shocked to see uh, Virginia Tech try to take advantage of, uh, of some height that they have at the uh, wide receiver position. And for all 
of the talent that Florida State has in the secondary. Uh, that may not necessarily be a, a great matchup if Virginia Tech decides to throw a bunch of fades. Not necessarily a, an option that Florida State wouldn't take, as it's not necessarily a, a great plan, but uh, it may at one time be what, uh, what Virginia Tech tries to do on offense. I think that's something Florida State will will largely give them. That is a low percentage play, mm-hmm. right? If they hit one, cool. For every one you hit, how many are you going to miss? Three? I think FSU will, will take that for sure. Hell, even if you only hit, hit one out of three, that's fine. We know Florida State's corners are not that big, but they've held up very well in practice against FSU's bigger receivers. In fact, there's been a lot of reports of, of Taylor just absolutely dominating the, the, the bigger guys who were put in front of him. So I do feel good about that. You're asking a quarterback in, in, in Jackson who's not a not an elite quarterback to make throws to guys who we think are okay talented but not super proven. Um, you know, that that's something I think FSU will definitely give them all day. I, I think Virginia Tech's slots are a little bit bigger of a threat. You know, Bigger strength, maybe a slightly more proven commodity when it comes to uh, to what they have on the inside and, and – uh, We've made no bones about it, but if, if Florida State's uh, defense has a weakness, it, it's kind of on the uh, on the interior core. Uh, a, lot, a lot of what Florida State's offense has done uh, so far in scrimmages and practices is, is just exploit the, the middle of the defense, uh, whether that be some sloppy tackling by the sa- safeties or uh, linebackers playing you know less than less than the level of what's expected of them. Uh, if there's a concern for me in this matchup, it is uh, what Virginia Tech does with its slots and, and kind of how they try to try to exploit what is uh, maybe the softer center of Florida State's defense. I think you're exactly right on that. Um, look, we know these linebackers are kind of questionable, but they they do look like like with the latest depth chart to have made the move to to go with with the Kalen Brooks and, and to go with with Jaden Woodby. Uh, as as the star and, and, and the other outside backer positions, along with Ontavius Jackson, I think that that is a move with an eye towards a defense that will likely, or towards an offense in Virginia Tech that will likely try to throw the football over the middle against the backers, and that's indeed where you'd want to attack this defense, uh, especially if uh, if Stanford Samuel's a third can't go. Obviously, Willie Taggart said that he expects him to play. Uh, he said that he practiced, and yet there's some concern there. Yeah, I Definitely. would. I have my doubts. Yeah. I have my doubts that he can play, and I have my doubts that if he plays, that he's 100. percent I just, I, I do. Um, I, I know that that you know some fans were tweeting some videos today from from practice that were in the open viewing period, and um, didn't necessarily look like he was 100. percent So uh, we'll have to see on that. Uh, if if he can't go, Hamsa, I believe, is the guy who would play in his spot uh, next to Westbrook. Um, Tackling is going to be a major issue with the safeties. You've got to tackle, especially if some open passes are completed to to, to some players behind the backers. Uh, you can't let 14-yard passes uh, become 70-yard passes. So that, that's something that you, you really got to got to watch for. And then I'm interested to see how how they deal with, with some of the Tech RPO game. I believe that Florida State has a chance here to to create a lot of pressure uh, with its front four. But I also think blitzing in, in this game would make some sense you want to speed up josh jackson's decisions right uh and 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 make him make him uncomfortable don't let him sit back there and and just kind of take the easy stuff on your on your defense all day force him to make some of the tougher completions uh, to the outside and we'll see what he can do over the middle for the most part you don't want rpo dictated to you uh you you want to be the aggressor in that situation if you're the defense and you want to uh 
to try to do things that don't just you know let them uh, let them choose what what is the best option in the run pass option. So uh, fascinating to see how Florida State tries to do that. I think they've got a pretty good feel as to their strengths and weaknesses on defense, and and ultimately how they either try to mask that or they just accept what is a weakness and uh, and and you know if if you're not great at a position then maybe putting a lot of blitzes there is is the way to go you kind of uh, you kind of minimize the individual and more make it uh, an aspect as to uh, whether or not you're able to successfully scheme something up or at the very least uh, limit what the what the offense can dictate towards you so uh, very interesting to see what Florida State does uh, with this defense, new defense as we've talked about throughout the summer, and, and fascinating to see how they how they match up with uh, what is I would label as a kind of a healthy above average Virginia Tech offense, but not necessarily a, a juggernaut, and not necessarily a, a unit that has a, a ton of special pieces to it either. Exactly right. I also think with the blitzing idea. Virginia Tech runs a lot of stuff that's kind of slower developing misdirection. I think that is a little bit of a difference between the two offenses. FSU is a little more quick hitter oftentimes. Um, look, if you're blitzing, it's a little bit easier not to get, not to get caught up misreading because you're just going just to, to, in a very simplistic way there. So I, I think you can see some of that. I want to see how FSU counters Virginia Tech trying to stay in, in 21 and 12 personnel. So two backs, one tight end, one tight end, two backs, if, the, if you're unfamiliar with the numbering system. Uh, that's what I would do. I would not try to run four receivers out there if I'm Virginia Tech, I, I think at least. Run blitz a lot, shoot gaps if you can. Get into the backfield, get Virginia Tech off schedule. I, I think that's absolutely worth it. If you get a big play, okay. Well, we know Virginia Tech has some issues on their defense with depth. FSU has less so. Uh, go ahead and, and, and try to out-leverage the depth. If, if you want to trade big play for big play, guess who will still be standing in the fourth quarter? It's probably FSU. Mm-hmm. They have better depth. They have better players, and they're at home. So, All right, bud. We have a, a new sponsor to talk about tonight. Really happy to be able to pair with uh, two Florida State grads that have uh, gotten into the wine business. And, and this is not something that will uh, – necessarily discuss every podcast we're going to uh to work with them an awful lot uh, on the social media side of things but uh two gentlemen who have uh made no small investment at all this is a significant undertaking trust me but uh tarpon cellars is the wine it's uh founded by two florida state grads uh two guys that graduated in the mid-2000s uh people that we uh, came damn near close to working with in 2012. Actually, it's it's guys that we've had a a long term relationship with, and uh, this is you're looking at a, a single vineyard wine from Napa Valley. Like I said, this is not a uh, not a a small operation at all. So uh, they have uh, paired with us. We're going to uh, to do an awful lot on social with them and and try to promote their brand. And we would certainly encourage anybody to give them a follow. On uh, Instagram is their uh, their major form of social right now, but uh, two guys that have done great things. They actually had a uh, Cabernet that we almost paired with them in uh, 2012 to work with, that was ultimately rated as a 93 uh, by wine enthusiasts. So it's not as though these are amateur guys at all. Uh, very serious operation. Maybe it's an opportunity to. Uh, to thank the significant other in your life for either coming to a tailgate or maybe a good way to uh, 
score some points if if somebody gives you a 48-hour pass to go to Tallahassee or wherever else that you may need to go follow Florida State. So Tarpon Sellers is the brand. We will be speaking of them uh, a lot moving forward, but just want to thank them for the opportunity to uh, to partner with them and uh, ask that you guys give them a follow on Instagram or uh, just give them consideration as you uh, as you may make a wine purchase in the future. Warning, uh, if you do this, you may get text messages like I just got from my wife. Testing your wine sponsor out on Thursday. Girls are coming over, so you're going to need to make some plans, boo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm down for making my own plans on Thursday. So, cool. So, uh, again, give them a follow on Instagram. It's Tarpon Sellers, T-A-R-P-O-N-C-E-L-L-A-R-S. And uh, while we're talking about Instagram, I will just take this quick moment to uh, point out that the Nolcast has uh, branched out to Instagram. I'm going to make uh, Bud do the Everyday Selfie Challenge for a year, and uh, it will be fun for everybody, I promise. I don't see Bud necessarily participating in that, but we will still find ways to uh, fill content, and it's just another avenue to be engaged or follow the uh, the Nolcast. So that is uh, Nolcast on Instagram and Tarpon Sellers, uh, which is our sponsor and somebody that we very much look forward to working with. Uh, with that, I guess we should probably uh, make some predictions and, and maybe uh, maybe a key for this thing. Went a little long here. Prediction time. Good. Enjoyable. Uh, glad glad to be able to do one of these and glad to be able to talk about a game that will be you know, kicking off in the next 72 hours here. So I guess uh, 96 hours at this point. But, uh, um, you know, it'll be fascinating. You, know, you never know for sure what you're going to see in game one. And you and I think we've got a decent idea as to – how this might play out, but for me, it's uh, it's hard to look at this and not see maybe something like a thirty-four to twenty-four score. I think Florida State matches up well. The thirty-four in that situation would be uh, Florida State's uh, score. I think it's uh, a situation where you may see Florida State score and maybe not come out of the gates fantastically well. I, I think there may be a a piece or two of the offense that doesn't quite immediately fire. Uh, but as the game goes on, as the offense gets a little more comfortable with itself, uh, I have a hard time not seeing them uh, somewhat run Virginia Tech down. And, and at the end, I think this is uh, maybe an 11-point victory with uh, Florida State scoring somewhere uh, between 33 and, and 35 points. 11-point victory. 11-point victory. I, I actually have the same margin of victory. Uh, uh, and I'm going to go a little bit higher with the points on both sides. If you look at where the concerns are injury-wise for FSU, they're almost all on defense. On offense, guard Colton Mishu may not start. We'll see. Mike Arnold's been taking some snaps there. But Samuels, Kando, and Wilson are five-star talents. Guys that if this defense is going to be better than last year's defense, like we said on the last podcast, you absolutely need them to play and play well. They are your more talented players. You lost a boatload of talent from last year's defense at these spots, actually. I mean, literally, Derek Nottie, Josh Sweat, and Derwin James are who they're tasked with replacing. And those three guys right now are, at the very worst, just or at the very best, just, quote, not in game shape. At the very worst, you know, maybe maybe a little more banged up. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go 40 to 30. No, actually, no, no. I'm going to go 38-27. 38-27. That's, uh, that's over the total of 55 and a half and uh, a, a slight cover. Seven and a half to me is not a number that I really want to lay. I'd much rather lay, you know, four and a half a week and a half ago. I think if you were really 
If you really were looking to take FSU, I think you want to lay that number uh, when it came out. Primetime game with with a, a very pop, you know, popular public home favorite is only going to rise. Right. So right. Uh, you may have missed your window to take that, but maybe take a look at the over. I, I do believe Virginia Tech uh, will be able to get uh, get over twenty points in this game. Well, uh, just thrilled that we're able to tell, talk about a, an actual game here. Thrilled that we've made our way through the summer. Want to thank you, the listener, for all the support you've given the podcast recently and all the support you've given us uh, over time. We're very fortunate to be able to do this. This is a thrill for both of us and uh, just fantastic uh, that we have Monday night to look forward to and all the excitement that otherwise surrounds the program. Uh, again, Hope to get a chance to meet uh, a vast majority of you guys that are down in Tallahassee on Sunday. Uh, please do make an effort to make it over to uh, Township or, or Madison Social uh, if you have the availability. We'd love to meet you, and otherwise we will uh, look forward to a Monday evening. And uh, from Bud and I, we'd look forward to uh, uh, doing a, a post-game podcast that hopefully breaks down uh, a Game 1 victory in the Willie Taggart era.